Hi, Daniela Rossi here, but you, but you can call me Danny. Before I start this episode, I want to warn you, there's a frequent tap, tap, tapping noise. And I didn't say that with a stutter. It's actually a tap, tap, uh, tapping noise. Um, throughout my introduction and the, and the keynote presentation that I will be playing, it's mainly caused by me being very fidgety during my intro and the speaker of the keynote <laughs> tapping on her iPhone while she recorded. So um, unfortunately, I realized this when it was too late. So I hope it's not too distracting and my apologies. You're listening to the Stuttering is Cool podcast. My name is Daniela Rossi. You can call me Danny. This is episode number 222, which could also be pronounced as 222, which is a stutter. So very appropriate for this podcast. Okay, dumb jokes aside, uh, this is a jam-packed episode recorded at the most recent NSA uh, National Stuttering Association uh, annual conference, conference, which took place in Chicago in the United States uh, from July, what was it, July 3rd, July 4th to the 8th. And, you know, unlike last year, I was able to make it this year. It was my first time at, uh, uh, going to Chicago, so that was a lot, a lot, a lot of fun checking out Chicago's world-renowned architecture and its world-renowned waterfront, and stumbling upon the Nutella Cafe. I had a lot, <laughs> a lot of fun with the tourism uh, stuff that I did, trying the different food, you know, Chicago-style hot dogs and Italian beef sandwich. The famous Garrett's, I think they're called Garrett's, the popcorn cheddar and caramel popcorn. I didn't get to try deep dish pizza, unfortunately, but hey, it only means I have an excuse to to go back. (laughs) So it's not, it's not, it's not too long of, of a flight from Toronto where, where I record my podcast from. So, so aside from the touring, it was also great to meet up with old friends and make some new ones. Another highlight was one of the keynotes uh, given by my friend and a repeat stuttering is cool guest and stutter social host. Um, if you don't know what stutter social is or you've never heard of it before, uh, group video chats for people who stutter. It's free. You use Google Plus Hangouts. There's four or five scheduled uh, chats. Um, reg- um, uh, that take place every week. And like I said, Annie is one of the hosts. Um, yeah, I didn't even say her name. <laughs> yes, Annie Brad Berry. Um, she's quite, um, uh, I'm thinking of the word force. I don't know if that's the right term, but um, you name it, she's done it in the um, a stirring community. I think she's uh, leads the International Stirring Association. She was executive director of the National Stirring Asso- Association. She's done a lot of other stuff. Very, very, very active and always giving back. Super, super nice person. And what a fantastic keynote. I'm so glad that I was able to record it. So if you go to Facebook, you search for the Stutter Social uh, Facebook page, you'll find the live stream that I recorded very badly done because I have I had another 
stutter social host in front of me sitting right in front of me i did i unfortunately i didn't have a chance to make it in time to sit in a better spot and i I couldn't because they had they had sectioned off the best seats for me to take a good clean (laughs) video so i have the audio here which came from annie herself i did mentioned to her hey you should you know if you can use use your smartphone to record uh your speech because i don't know if the um, the live the audio from the live stream wherever i end up sitting if it's gonna sound good so thank goodness she did because it's because it came out very very low so uh thank you to annie for allow allowing me to use her audio for uh my episode and the reason i want to share with you annie's keynote and this is going to be a long episode because her keynote's about an hour is there's a lot of great golden nuggets in there one thing that she said was something about you know there is no over now i'm not gonna i'm not gonna quote her exactly but this is me summarizing you know that you know that term overcoming stuttering you know you don't overcome it you don't overcome anything you manage it now I think she, no, she used a different term. She used the navigate. You navigate stuttering. So her whole keynote is pretty much around that theme. So you don't want to miss this. And here we go. I used to have a fear of speaking, and today m- m- my fear of heights is greater. This is at the NSA Regional in 2016 in Spokane. Okay, I'm going to jump in here and say and describe that Annie is playing a video. And the video is of her hanging on a zip line. And if you don't know what a zip line is, picture this big long line dangling from a tree to tree and you have to slide down that line holding on to a harness. So she's being afraid of being so high off the ground. She's really high off the ground. And at this point, she paused the video. Avoiding life was my way of dealing with my stuttering before I found the NSA. Do you think I overcame my fear, or do you think I n- n- navigated through it? Before I found the NSA, m- m- my mind was filled with judgments, expectations, and worries. My mind was filled with what-ifs, and often could I, and I can't. I was doing all right, but I had this inner commentary which was always making me question myself. And when I reflect upon my stuttering and its impact in my life, I see so clearly times when I was shown it was me who cared more about my stuttering. It was me who got in my own way. I was stopping myself from becoming my best self. I was kicked on the way home from school in elementary school by Tracy Littman. And I was fired from one of my first jobs at 16, both because I stuttered. 
Yep, it was at Winchell's Donuts, which is our equivalent today to Dunkin' Donuts. And I was fired because my stuttering slowed things down for the early morning shift. It was so many years ago, and I still remember the, the stress every time I see a donut. <laughs> it seemed that every transaction, instead of being a simple one, two, or three, was $2.54 or $3.67. I was fired from selling donuts. It seemed that, oh, excuse me, I remember rushing home that day and humiliated and rushed to my parents, and my dad looked at me, and he said, those people, that situation, it cannot define you. They don't matter. He asked me, what do you want to do? That question stopped me right there from going into self-pity. I didn't realize then at that moment he was teaching me a truly most valuable lesson. He was teaching me at an early age that I had a choice as to how I would feel. It was not the reactions of others that would define me, but my reactions to them. They really didn't matter. And then he asked me, what do I want to do? He was giving the power back to me. And when I reflect on my stutter and its impact on my life, I see so clearly times when I was shown it was me who cared more about my stuttering. It was me who got in my own way of doing and living. I was stopping myself from becoming my best self. About being fired, I can still feel it that day, the emotions that worked, 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 worked through my body. And talking to my dad, it was like, no one's going to tell me I can't. So I, nothing to do with liking the job, I went back and got a, another job at another local donut shop. And trust me, I still, the, the stench from the oil. My mom, when I came home, used to make me strip in the garage, put the clothes right in the washing machine. <laughs> Shortly after, I quit that job. But it was on my turn. You know that moment in time when you wish you could capture and frame so you can see it over and over again, its message so clear? This was one of them. I don't have a college degree, and I barely graduated from high school. Oh, hello. Wait, hold. Let's add one more to the thing here. <laughs> you see, I, I got mostly Ds. And the reason being is I didn't go to classes or any classes that I had to talk. I see clearly how I got in my own way, assuming I knew what everybody thought about me and my stutter. It was clear in a single moment in my senior year, Mrs. Goodman, my English teacher, saw me walking outside her class, the class I was supposed to be in. So there I am walking and outside her class and she comes out and she goes, Annie, in and sit. And then she pulls me up in front of the class and she says, does everybody know that Annie stutters? And the reactions were, shrugged shoulders and uh-huh. And then she said, does anybody care? And it was the same reactions, shrugged shoulders and uh-huh. And she told me to take my seat. 
It was at that moment, I think, that I believe that saved me. The moment I wish I could have captured and framed. Those shrugged shoulders said they really didn't care. I cared more that I stuttered than they did. I was getting in my own way. We need to get rid of that photo, don't you think? <laughs> I played this the other night with Pam. She laughed for 20 minutes. <laughs> I come from a loving family, and my parents played an important role in my life, and I know in the life of many of you in this room. They attended eight conferences, and even with their love and support and belief in me, I still allowed my stuttering shame to take hold of my life. Ah, going back to that day in school, so clouded with my own beliefs, I didn't hear that message that came through. They really didn't care. It was I who cared more. And when I reflect on those days, I see so clearly how I got in my own way, assuming that I knew what everybody else was thinking about me. It was me that got in my own way of living and doing. I was stopping myself from becoming my best self. I walked out of the store without what I came for. You guys do that? Instead, leaving with a big bag of shame. That feeling you know, right? That, that, that deep down, that internal embarrassment, it's worse than being laughed at. It's self-inflicted. I never used the word self-inflicted before in association with my stuttering until I was working on this. But if you think about it, I walk in the store and I turn around and leave. I had no interaction with anybody. I didn't even open my mouth to speak. How did I know what kind of reactions I was going to get? It was me who got in my own way of doing and living. I was stopping myself from becoming my best self. Avoiding life was my way of dealing with my stuttering before I found the NSA. And then I found the NSA. I was just 19, and I have these photos, so I get to put them up. Yes, I do. Tammy, I think you have a crown on when you're sitting there with Justin. Some pretty good photos there. My mom actually found a small newspaper clicking, cl clipping the first time that they advertised outside of Northern California where the NSA started. It's about a year or two after. It was small, four or five lines. I can see it today. And I remember when she held it, gave it to me, I held it like it was fragile. I couldn't believe. Up until that time, and I was now in junior college, I had never met another person who stuttered. I held that piece of paper, and I started to pace in our kitchen. I can see it today. You see, it was late 1978, 1979, and we didn't have the internet. I know. I didn't have the internet to do the talking for me. In fact, the World Wide Web didn't go live until 1991. Joy, panic, fear, all those emotions were coming at me at once. My mom probably would have called for me, but I didn't ask her to. And I either had to write or call back then. So I did nothing. And I put it in that drawer, you know the drawer we have in the kitchen where things go? 
I put it there and it stayed there for a couple of years and I did nothing, but I never forgot it was there. When my internal argument with myself was overcome by the need for, for some help, I picked the phone up. And immediately I learned I was not alone. Immediately the panic and fear went away. That moment changed my life. I quickly got involved in the Southern California area um, where the NSA was up in Northern California. I started the first chapter, um, co-started, and I helped start a couple between San Diego and, and Los Angeles. And I was hired to be the associate director and later on became the executive director. Leading up to this time, I had always associated m m my high school grades with my intelligence and what I was capable of doing. It was my dream to become a speech-language pathologist since the age of 12 or 13. Knowing or rather believing that I couldn't, I let, let, let that dream go. During that time, I volunteered for the NSA as much and in any way I possibly could. And I was at the California State Conference for Speech-Language Pathologists we're working their booth, and I ran into the late Vivian Sheehan. And those that don't know, she was a treasured NSA member and an icon in the in the, in this in the stuttering therapy world. She asked me how my life was going, and I told her how inspired I was being surrounded by all the speech language pathologists that day in the talk of stuttering and hope. And she looked at me, and I and I also told her that it had been a dream of mine, but I had given it away. And I remember, remember this, she looked at me in silence, stared into my eyes, and she said, Annie, and so quote, something is going to come forward that, you will, that will give you the opportunity to work with and be with and support hundreds of people who stutter, just you wait. And it was six months later that I was hired as associate director and became the executive director. I had the honor to serve you from 1993 to 2003, and to this day it remains a precious, precious moment in my life. Like many of you, I've had people walk away, and I didn't use the phone outside of my family, or you now know Margot, who is here today, <laughs> until I was 20. And for those that know me, you probably don't believe that. <laughs> I had to put that up there, again, because I can. <laughs> when was this love that I have replaced with self-doubt and fear? I've heard, are you singing, right? We've heard it on the other end of the phone line. We've heard it click, followed by the silence. Like you, I felt the frustration, the anger, and even the self-disgust that follows. I think about this time in my, my life and I wonder again, when did I replace that, all that love with fear and self-doubt? And when I reflect upon my stutter and its impact on my life, I see so clearly those times when I was shown it was me who got in my way, me who kept me from doing and living and becoming my best self. I hated it. I looked it in the eye and I said, I hate you. I've chosen silence 
and I've asked why. And I confess, what I wrote down on a piece of paper where I wanted to go and handed it to the taxi instead of speaking. Writing it down instead of using my voice. Writing it down instead of having voice. Ironically, at that time, I was on my way for speech, speech therapy. <laughs> Since back then, we didn't have video conferencing, I was on my way. I flew up to Eastern Washington University in Spokane, Washington to, for, the, for the successful stuttering management program to be interviewed by Dr. Dorman Breitenfeld. Basically, we met to make sure that my expectations met his expectations. They were not giving me a cure. They were giving me tools. And at the end of the day, they said, what's key is if they don't work for you, that you're going to leave with a new attitude that will take you through your life. That I would still participate in life, that I would talk, and this is what I wanted. When I got there, I had 23 secondaries, things that I did to try not not to stutter. When I left, I used none of those. Instead, I had some good, easy, easy, easy stuttering. And I remember calling home during that time, and my mom had never heard me without the secondaries. And she said, told me later that when she hung up, she cried, because she had never heard so much stuttering. And she said, I never felt, never sounded happier. When going home, they kind of prepared us for what, what we're going to be faced with. You know, you kind of have a false fluency in the, right when you get done with those intensive programs. People I see you going, yep, right? And so they emphasized that things would balance again for me. And it's again, it was what was I going to do when I got home? If I show the complete fluency and then I have a m m moment of stuttering, will my listeners think that what I just went through didn't work? I had to remember that it was for me that it was not to impress anybody. I had a choice as to how I would feel. This was for me. Others' thoughts, opinions, even re reactions would not define me. They did not matter. I still stutter, right? Sometimes a little bit sloppy, sometimes a little bit out of control. Mostly I'm left with a comfortable place of self-acceptance. That taxi ride to the university, that was the last time I wrote anything down and did not say what I wanted to say. When I was asked to speak today, I immediately thought about what my message was going to be, and I thought of getting out of, of, of my way, something that I'm still working on daily. really, really special to me and a gift, I think, to all of us, is during these times of self-doubt, I wish I could show you when you are lonely or in darkness, the astonishing light of your own being. And then again, when I reflect, I see that it was my, my own stuttering, my, my self-thoughts that got in my way. I need to be reminded of that, that I had a choice that I could make. The impact of my stutter truly influenced the decisions that I made in my life. 
1979, at, 20, at the age of 21, I got married. Introduced by my parents, I felt safe, loved, and through reflection, I knew I was playing it safe. He wanted me even with my, my stutter. I knew immediately deep down that I had made a mistake. My marriage ended six years later. More reflection. When you tell your best friend that you're getting married and she starts to cry, ah, oh, the things we don't want to see. Yep. Working on this and telling me, telling you my story has brought me to one of the hardest things I've ever shared. But I think it's time and it's, uh, I think it's time. During this six years of marriage, we talked about having children right away. Come on. It wasn't until many years later that I admitted to myself that I was reluctant to have a child because I was afraid they would stop. So for me, do I have regrets in life? No, I don't. But there was a lesson there. I got in my own way. I remarried a man who puts up with all of this. No comment. <laughs> Thank you, Doug. Where's Doug? Thank you, Doug. Bob has never let me hide. There have been times in our almost 30 years when he has spoken for me, but I have had to ask. He knows how voids can take hold. Sorry. So when I met Bob, sorry, Chloe, but I had those photos of you. Uh, when I met Bob, um, his daughter Amanda was four, and in her teens, she spent a lot, she came to a lot of conferences and worked with Tammy. Through her, and I say my many NSA kids, and many of you are here in this room today, I've experienced the love of a child. Mm, wow, yay, me. <laughs> and this past August 1st, I'm proud to say that my Amanda, who's 37 now, recently adopted three siblings out of foster care, who now call me Granny Annie. Again, no comment, Doug. <laughs> my heart is full. In the beginning of my talk, I showed you a clip where I was pulled up a tree. That was 40 feet high, I want you to know. With the huge fear of heights, I ask you, did I overcome my fear or did I just navigate through them? Overcome the fear? Not one bit, but I did navigate. I knew what I was doing. For this means I wasn't, for this it means I wasn't getting Going to over, get, ah, oh, let me just try that again. I can't see because of my tears. For me, this means I wasn't going to overcome my fears, but I can navigate in such a way that got me out of my way. We got there and I immediately saw the young man with the sparkle of his eye and I walked up to him and I said, hi, I have a fear of flying, huh, fear of heights. I am short, chubby, and old. Can I do this? <laughs> he looked at me without even a moment's moment hesitation said I don't see anybody standing like that in front of me after I asked him to marry me <laughs> I, I, I said you're mine for the day he said to trust him and that he would be there he would not let anything happen to me and I believed him he said if I don't go first every time 
somebody goes ahead of me, I'm not going to do it. I went first. I'm going to take you back a little bit now to the time when I was in my 20s. I have bank teller mimicked me. We've all been mimicked, right? But I remember my dad's words that day, and he said, I have a choice as to how I would feel. It was not the reactions of the others that would define me. They really didn't matter. Instead of getting angry, I asked myself, what do I want to do? What do I want to happen? Realizing there was an opportunity here. It didn't really matter what that person thought. More importantly, I knew right then what really mattered. I didn't want it to happen to another. I didn't want the next person to feel that humiliation that I felt. What if they weren't as far along in their journey as I? It could really devastate. It could set them back. So I asked to speak to a supervisor, not to get the person in trouble. And I said, I'm certain that your employee didn't have the intention to make fun of me. And I'm hoping that their reaction to my stuttering came from not understanding what was happening. But this can never happen again. This can never happen again. It was at that moment in time that my stuttering changed from being something that hurt me, something that held me back. It became my purpose. I got out of my own way. Did I, did I overcome my fears that day? No, but I navigated. At that same time in my life, I began to finally realize I had a choice as to how I would react and manage. It was also my responsibility to share, teach, and help the listener understand what I was in fact doing. This moment became a very, very, very important shift in the way I viewed my, my life as a person who stutters. It was at this time when the anger, the fear, and the frustration began to be replaced with interest, curiosity, and even understanding. I viewed people's reactions to me less personally, and I began to think, oh, what are they thinking about? What are they feeling? Think about it. My face might have gone into a contortion, but maybe my, my eyes closed. You see how repetitious I am? I am like a motorboat sometimes. It goes so fast. They might, they're having those, they're wondering too. You know, for me, it's helpless. For us, we feel helpless in those moments. I want to start thinking about them. Especially if they've had zero exposure to stuttering. They might even start to smile. Maybe the little giggle comes out because they're nervous or they're thinking, oh, I know what she's doing. She's blundering. She's doing it, doing what everybody does. And then they realize, no, she's not. And they think, oh gosh, what do I do? Where do I look? Do I look at their lips because wow? Do I look at her eyes? Do I look away? Do I fill in the word that I think I know she's going to say? Taking responsibility also means owning it. Today I work with two young IT graphic designers, Jeffrey and Jay, and they're both 22, and when I'm with them, we, there's no age difference. When I was recently talking about turning 60 last month, nothing to say done. <laughs> Jay simply said, own it. When he said that, I realized those words mean so much more. It means honoring ourselves and acknowledging our uniqueness, our talents, desires, fears, and even our 
crazy, to go about living in a way that is full and with integrity and joy to just own it. I grew up in the furniture industry and working in the field for over 15 years, I have to share um, a story that I will never forget. I was in my 30s and I was applying for a job in the industry. And when I got there, I was the only woman there. And the men were all young and slick and I was not. And I filled out the application in that section where it says other interests, I put member of the National Starting Association. It was my turn to be interviewed, and I, when I went in to sit before the man, I noticed he didn't look up. He was reading my, my, my resume, and it seemed like forever before he made eye contact with me. And the first thing he says, what's this thing about stuttering on your resume? I hear, I internally gasped. I calmed myself, and in my mind, I was hoping that he had somebody close to him that stuttered, and that's what I chose to believe. Then I started educating him. The one percent of people stuttering, and tried to take over as much as I could. And I know I used really good eye contact. He then asked me a couple questions about the industry, which I had vast knowledge. It seemed like it was forever the interview, and I remember walking out and seeing all those young guys sitting there and thinking, you know, oh well. Just chalk me up, just check this off to a really good opportunity, a good experience. I was happy with the way that I handled myself. When I was leaving the building, I was walking down the street. It was a good half block to the parking lot. And I'm almost there, and I hear my name being called, and I turn. And it's the gentleman I just interviewed with. I didn't know at the time that I was interviewing with the owner of the company. And he's, yeah, I know. And he's, oh, it's a good thing I didn't know. <laughs> And he, I met him halfway, and he said, Annie, and, I, and he said, you said, and what I had said during the interview, he came, gave it back to me, and he said, you said, when I was stuttering, that some days you, it's easy, and some days it's more, more, more difficult, but it wouldn't stop you. Will you still go out and sell for me? If you're in sales, do a cold call for me, even on one of your more difficult days. And I looked him in the eye, and I said, yes, and I will be more memorable. <laughs> he hired me on the sidewalk. I owned it. In his essay, Self-Reliance, Ralph Waldo Emerson makes a case for the importance of self-acceptance and offers insight as he invites us to reimagine the meaning of success by emphasizing the importance of personal integrity and authenticity rather than external notions of what is good. I can't stand here before you today and say that no one's ever going to laugh at you again or mimic and maybe even walk away. But I can say that we can shift in the way that how we feel in these situations. Instead of immediately feeling attacked and even hurt, we can do we do have the ability to control how we feel and to and how we react to these situations. Remember how when I got fired and my dad asked me what do I want to do? He was giving the power back to me. We don't have to give our power to anyone. Remember the job I got on the sidewalk? 
my territory was in Mexico, about 100 miles from where I lived in California, and m most of the work I did was over the phone. And the first time I called in, the woman who answered, I had a really intense block. The second time I called in, I was stuttering again, and right in the middle of my stutter, the woman said, hi, Amy, let me put you through to Dave. <laughs> Remember I told you I'd be memorable, right? <laughs> At first I was embarrassed. She cut me off, right? And then I remembered when I said again that I was going to be memorable. Do I need to correct her? Does this have to be a situation that I'm getting angry? I could tell by her voice that she felt happy to hear from me. Not every situation is a fight. Some don't matter and this was not going to define me. I've always said that we have something, everybody does. You know, you have a bad hair day, you can put your hair up in a, a baseball cap. What do we do? Don't talk, right? Our stuttering shows a vulnerability. And even sometimes it comes across as we're being honest and trustworthy. So how do I handle this? How do I control it? How do I turn this situation into a positive. I remember I could tell by her voice that she felt connected to me. She felt that she was helping me. And honestly, at that moment, she might have been just a little bit. It wasn't going to define me. I remember there were so many who never even got put through to Dave. And I would call time after time and go, hi, this is it. And she'd go, hi, Annie, hold on, Dave's waiting for you. Back I go. It's almost like on the fast track. <laughs> Maybe some of you right now are thinking that I settled or even allowed her to laugh at me. But she wasn't, and I didn't. It really didn't matter. It wasn't like the bank teller when I felt I had a need to stand up for all of us. I was surrounded by kindness, and in the end, I controlled how things went. On my first visit after those calls, I arrived, we had not met yet, and when I announced myself, I swear she jumped out of her seat, ran up to me, hugged me like I was her long-lost cousin. I also remember hearing like a gasp from the gallery of salesmen, dreaming and hoping that they'd even get a chance to say, to get, to get in the door. She said, Dave's not here, and my heart sank. She goes, you know what? He said he trusts you. I'm gonna give you a purchase order, if you know what that is, and take the order, send it back, tell us what we need, we trust you. And time after time, even when Dave was there, he would just say, Annie, you're making this so easy for me, go, go let me know what you need. When I no longer felt victimized and helpless, I realized I could do something, is when I began to navigate and become my best self. I was getting out of my own way. Owning our individual needs and desires and insecurities allows us to see ourselves clearly and allows us to work towards taking responsibility for what we can. Going back to the donut shop and my dad's words, it was not the reactions of others that would define me, but my reactions to them. They really didn't matter. What do you want to do? Don't take disappointments and setbacks to heart. View them as an opportunity to grow, improve, and learn. 
baby steps. If you know me, I say baby steps all the time. All we have to do is look in, lean in, be, real, be realistic, and take responsibility. And you never know what happens when we get out of our own way. Let's look. And right now she's continuing the video that, of her zip lining from the beginning. And she's doing it. <laughs> keynotes given at the 35th National Starting Association's Annual Conference in Chicago in 2018. Very, very uplifting, very motivating, very encouraging. There was a standing ovation. Well, well-deserved standing ovation. <laughs> and I really, I really loved, I really loved, I mean, I know I, I've said it in the beginning, the whole navigating your stuttering or navigating whatever it is that's the hardship in your life. And speaking of hardship, my goal at the conference was to record as many people as I could. I didn't <laughs> end up managed to record four. So, um, oh yeah, I should probably mention. Yeah, I know I mentioned it was going to be an hour. <laughs> the keynote, I was wrong, it was 40 minutes, but just want to throw that out there. Um, so back to the NSA, I uh, wanted to record snippets of people saying you know encouraging words of wisdom for when um you know when you're having a very hard time dealing with your stuttering so i am still going to plan that episode but i figured hey why don't i um give you a preview so i'll I'll insert the four <laughs> that i made there are only a few only a couple of minutes um and yeah, and then, you know, maybe I'll do, maybe, you know, most likely the next episode will be just that nice big episode full of uh, the clips. So um, here we go. My name's Stephen, and um, I'm at the 2018 NSA conference, and I want to say don't let no one think you're done because you take a long time to get your words out. You're smart. You're awesome. And uh, thundering is in and you're awesome. <laughs> Um, uh, my name is uh, Boris. I'm also at the 2018 uh, conference in uh, Chicago. And the most important thing I could say is don't avoid any s situations. Uh, build from the ground up and just say what you want to uh, say uh, all the time. And if you have to just get on that sound and stay on that sound until the words c come out, no matter how long it takes. Thank you. 
My name is Linda Paisaki, and I um, would like to say encouraging. I have a tattoo. It says, I speak freely, not fluently, and always be confident and fearless. You're loved. You're beautiful. The world doesn't care about how you say it, just as long as you say it. And... Um, you're gonna have bad days and you're gonna have good days but in the bad days make sure you have people are, are around you who love you who can pick you up when you feel down and you can't and you can't and you can't pick yourself up because um, that's what we're here for and that's it for this episode which has been brought to you by the stuttering is cool book it is your guide It's your stuttering survival guide (laughs) in this fast-talking world, and it contains my comics. I mentioned in the beginning that I have comics, that I draw comics, so um, that's where Frankie Banky shows up in the book. So details on how to get that and some awareness buttons featuring Frankie Banky and future merchandise that I'll be posting real soon. Uh, Details at stutteringschool.com. And until then, may your stuttering always be navigatable, if that is a word. (laughs) May you always be able to navigate your stuttering and kick some butt. (laughs) Ciao.